we are in a series where we're working our way through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And today we come to Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. And it's a wonderful prayer of the Apostle Paul that he prays for the people at Ephesus. And we can extend this and make this our prayer today. And here's the question before we read the text. Here's the question that I want us to reflect on today. And by the way, we're going to end the message and end the service with communion in a, in a few minutes from now. So I want you to use this message and what God has to say to us through Ephesians to prepare our hearts and minds for communion in, in just a little bit. Here, here's the question. What is the normal Christian life? What is the normal Christian life? Paul Harvey once reported that there were two small towns in Illinois. One was called Normal, Illinois. The other town was called Oblong, Illinois. And he, he said that there was a marriage and the headlines in the newspaper read, Normal man marries Oblong woman. You think about that, you know, we're, we're kind of, who's normal really? I mean, who dares say they're normal? We're all a bit oblong in some way, aren't we? We're kind of just a little out of shape. We're kind of flawed. I mean, we're certainly not perfect. So when you think about it, what is the normal Christian life? What is it that God really has for us? What does He intend for us to experience as Christians? Are you, am I, are we living what God has for us. What God would say, this is the normal Christian life that I have for you. And, and now, you, you need to really be careful because there is a difference between normal and common. They're not the same thing. Just because something is common does not make it normal. Lying and stealing and sexual immorality might be common, but that doesn't make it normal. So you've got to be careful. So what I want you to understand is this. In Paul's prayer, you're going to find out that to be a normal Christian means that you are filled with the power of His Holy Spirit. This is what God has for you. To be a normal Christian means that you are rooted in His love and you're so rooted and grounded in His love that you have the capacity to grasp and reach up and, and, and find more and more of who God is and experience more and more of His love. The normal Christian life is that you are learning how to cope with anxieties and worries and fears, and you're learning each day to walk in greater joy and faith and love. This is the normal Christian life. Now, I know you're probably objecting, Greg, that's not normal. I don't experience that. And when I look around, I don't think many other Christians are experiencing that. Well, okay, but again, be careful. That might be common. And it might not be common that people are experiencing these things in Christ. But that doesn't mean it's, it's normal. You see, what God has for you, He wants you to be rooted in love and grasping higher for Him. He wants you to experience the power of His love. So let, let's see. Let's see what... the what Paul says about the normal Christian life. Turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Ephesians chapter 3, and let's pick it up in verse 14, this powerful prayer of the Apostle Paul. 
He says, for this reason, now we don't have time to get into the context, but he's, if you follow his line of thought, he begins way back in verse 1 of chapter 3 saying something, and then he kind of takes a sideline, and then he comes back, and he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. A beautiful prayer from the, the Apostle Paul. So notice what he says here about the normal Christian life. Look at verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now think about this. The, the people at Ephesus, they're already Christians. They already have Christ dwelling in their hearts by faith, don't they? They already have God's love in their heart, don't they? If they're, if they're, if they're Christians, by definition, right? And yet here is Paul saying, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power. He's, he's saying... Yes, you have a certain level of experience. Yes, you have a certain experience of His love and His presence in your life. But there's so much more. And in fact, this is the normal Christian walk. This is what God has for you. I'm praying for power, power for you. You know, when you look elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus told His disciples, you are witnesses, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So here's Jesus saying, I want you to go... I want you to be my witnesses, but, but before you go, you need to wait. Get filled with power. You need power. Paul says over in Romans, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you see, the, the Holy Spirit has power to give you the joy and the peace that you need in, in life. And so what I want you to see today is this. I'm not making this up. This is not a Greg Henneman spin. This is, this is truth right here. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying there is extraordinary power available to believers. A power that can accomplish far more than we can ask or imagine. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And it, and it comes from... God's glorious riches, and it's the very fullness of God. My goodness, isn't this incredible? It may not be common, but it should be normal. God wants this for you and me. Now, now there's something else here that we have to be very careful about. What kind of power is he talking about? He's not talking about abusive power. He, he's not talking about self ego-driven kind of power. He's talking about power to love. Notice what he says, verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So Paul is talking about power to love here. He's not talking about the love of power. He's talking about the power of love. And oh, how we mix that up, don't we? I mean, think about how many marriages that are destroyed by the love of power. One is they're trying to dominate one another. Or nations, they, they try to destroy each other because they love power. And so they, they dominate one another. And think of our own government right now. Would you agree with me that it's absolutely insane what's going on right now? Everybody's investigating everybody. It's the new game in Washington. Everybody's investigating, trying to find dirt on, on, on the other side. And it's right down party lines. What is it? It's love of power. They both want to be in power. Paul's not talking about that kind of power. He's talking about the power of love. Look again at what he says. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So, look, I, I love this. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So, how wide is the love of Christ? It is so wide, it stretched. God, he stretched His arms out on the cross. That's how wide it is. And it is wider than your sin. It is wider than all the things you've ever done wrong. He is so, his love is so wide that He can embrace you and love you. That's how wide the love of Christ is. How long is the love of Christ? His love is longer than your stubbornness. His love is longer than your sin and your brokenness. He'll just keep calling. He'll just keep waiting with outstretched arms. How deep, how high is the love of Christ? He reaches so deep. He'll reach down so far that He can touch you even when you hit bottom and you're in the pit and you think your life is so broken and you are so despaired and you think God doesn't even know your name. Oh, yes, He does. And He can reach all the way down. And He can bring you up. And His love reaches that far, but it also reaches so high that He can bring you right up to God the Father and cleanse you and wash you and forgive you. That is how wide and long and deep and high the love of Christ is. His love can reach right down and, and touch you in your depression and in your anxiety and in your worry and in your fear. And he, can, he reaches so high that He can bring you right up and you can touch joy again and have hope again. That's how big Christ's love is. It's as big as the cross. And this is the normal Christian life. And now, I, as I have reflected on this passage many times over the years, and it's so easy just to get caught up in how rich that is and how wonderful that is, but... but I want us to spend the next few moments being very, very practical. Very practical. Here's the question. How do we get this power? Well, obviously, it's a gift of God. We can't conjure it up. We can't create it or fake it or whatever. It has to be a gift from God. But how, how, do, we, how do we make ourselves open and available to, to this kind of power from God? You want this kind of power? 
this power to love. Let me give you three practical ways, and, and this will segue us into communion in just a few moments. The first thing you and I need to do is we need to learn to worship. We need to learn to worship. I think, honestly, most of us are just miserable at this, but we need to learn to worship. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Paul says, I kneel. Have you noticed how throughout Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and hopefully you've been reading through it, every week now, because that's what we've been encouraging you to do and discussing it in your, in your life groups. Notice how often he refers to, to worship and how much he actually worships as he writes this letter. He starts off by saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout the whole letter, Paul is thanking God and praising God and speaking of the blessings of God. The whole letter just breathes worship. A.W. Tozer once said that worship is the missing jewel in the modern church. We're organized, and we work, and we have our agendas, and we have almost everything, but we've lost our ability to worship. You know what worship is? Worship is where you kneel. Paul says, I kneel. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You know what you do when you kneel? It means you stop. We need to kneel. Kneeling is where you, where you stop your running, stop your hectic pace, you turn off your cell phones, you stop the distractions, and you kneel. And you humbly submit yourself before God. And you put all your attention on Him. And you thank Him and you praise Him and you listen for Him to say something back to you. This is what worship is. You kneel. In fact, let's do this right now. Would you? For those, if you're able, let, just let's just kneel. You can just turn around and kneel in in the seat right where you're at. And I know some of you aren't physically able to do that, and I understand. So, so please, just do this if you if you can and if you want to. But let's just kneel before the Father. And I ask you, what's rattling around in your mind right now? Are you thinking of your to-do list? Are you thinking about all the things you got to get done yet today? And, and maybe you're filled with anxiety or this kind of worry. Worship is where you kneel before the Father. And you just take all of that and you offer it up to Him. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. and Just like Paul did, we kneel before you. And Lord, we confess that we have to learn how to worship. Because we're not very good at it. Lord, and we confess that for a lot of us, this isn't the normal Christian life. Because we, we, say, we say we believe in you, we say we're Christians. And, and, and to a degree, we have a certain experience of your presence and your power and your love. But so often, we're just racked with anxiety and worry. And our lives are so hectic. And we have so much negativity going on. And Lord, we just confess that to you right now. And, and we pray to you, Father, that, that you would forgive us for not worshiping you very well. And teach us, Lord, how to worship you better. Help us to stop the distractions. Some of us, we can't even sit still for one minute. 
in silence because our hearts are so full of noise and anxiety and frustration. So Lord, we kneel before you and we, we, we make Paul's prayer our prayer that you would strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That you would root us and ground us in love together with all God's holy people so that we could know your love better. Lord, make it so in our lives. You can do more than we can ask or imagine. We want you to be glorified in our lives, in our church. We humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so now let's all get up very carefully. Maybe help the person next to you. So when you come to church on a Sunday, what do you expect? What are you, what are you looking for? I mean, hopefully you're coming to worship. And worship is where you bring all your problems and all your stuff to God, but you're focusing on God. And you're praising Him and you're thanking Him. And sometimes that's hard because you have all this stuff of life going on and it's easy to just stay stuck in that, stay, stay stuck in that. And you need to focus on God and you need to learn how to praise Him, learn how to thank Him, learn how to bring, bring your worries to Him. And so when you come on a Sunday and we sing these beautiful songs that we even just sang this morning, and so well done, and, and, and the words so powerful, hopefully you're not just sitting there like a spectator, but you are entering in as a participant. And you're saying, Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, speak to me. Lord, here are some of my problems. Lord, and then whatever the song is, you're, you're making the, the, that message of that song yours, and you're trying to connect. You're trying to know him better and have him speak to you. This is what worship is. And you, and you and I have to fight it because everything in our culture is about being a spectator. It's about being a consumer. And no, no, no. In worship... You were supposed to be a participant. And if you, even if you don't kneel physically, you, worship is where we are kneeling in our hearts, kneeling spiritually, mentally, emotionally, which leads us to, to the second thing. We need to not only learn to worship better, but we need to dare to obey. This is the second thing, dare to obey. The idea of kneeling in worship includes the idea of submission. It includes the idea of obedience. In those days, when, when you entered into the king's room, you had to kneel before him as a sign of submission, as a sign of obedience. And so worship is where we are saying, Lord, you are my king, you are my God, you are my savior. I kneel, I submit before you. Which means you're going to obey him. Think about it. Why would God give you more of his power if you have no intention of obeying him? 
Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commands. You see? If you love me, keep my commands. And then I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. You see what Jesus says? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then as you do that, then the Father and I will come into you, and the Holy Spirit will come into you even more, and will live inside of you. So if you want more of God, if you want more of His power, then keep His commands. Or at least be honest and repent and admit where you're struggling. So, so you're sinning and, and you know it. And you keep on doing it and you know it. And then, and then you come to, to worship and you say, Oh God, fill me with your love and give me more power. And God's going to say, No. Why would I give you more of my love, more of my power when you are deliberately disobeying me in this area? Now, of course, we, we, we need God's grace. We need His strength. We need His mercy and His forgiveness. But, but you can't manipulate God. You can't say, and this is why I say dare to obey. Because you can't say, well, okay, God, I love you. I believe in you. Uh, and so I'll obey you this way and this way and this way. But I won't obey you in this way or this way. Because basically what you're saying is you think you know better than God. And you're trying to be your own God. And then you come and say, God, give me more love. Give me more power. You see, God will not be manipulated like that. Paul says in Ephesians 4, and in a few weeks we'll get into chapter 4. And, and in fact, next week, in Ephesians 4.22, Paul says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So you put off the old self, you put on the new. See, if you want more of God, more of His power, power to love, if you want to grasp God and know God better, you've got to be willing to put off some things. And it's a lifelong journey. And put on some new things. Because the deeper you go into God, you're going to learn more about God says, okay, time to deal with this, time to deal with that. Things you and I aren't even aware of now. Flaws and, and sins in our, in, in our personalities and, and in our attitudes and in our values. And, and God says, okay, it's time to deal with this now. And you say, okay, I'll put that off. But if you don't, you're going to get stuck there. Because God won't keep giving you His power and His love and more and more of Him when you're saying no. Dare to obey. Dare to believe that God might know more than you. Dare to obey. Learn to worship. And thirdly, connect in community. Connect in community. Did you notice what Paul says here? Ephesians 3, verse 18. He says that may you have power. And you see, you and I as Americans, we are so individualistic. We just think of me and Jesus. But notice what he says here. May you have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. See, it's a community thing. It's a, it's a public thing. And then he goes on to say, according to his power that is at work within us. See? Us. It's a community thing. And then he says, be glory to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. See, God wants to show the power of his love through his new community. Maybe you're feeling isolated and lonely and lost and you're disconnected. Listen, you're not. 
You're just not, at least you don't have to be. Because God has created a community where He wants you to connect. And you don't have to be lost and lonely and isolated. You just don't. Because God's love is so so wide and long and high and deep. And He's created a community where we are to, to love on one another. God created you to believe and belong. Not just believe, but belong. This is why we have life groups, men's group, women's ministry, of course, all kinds of opportunities for our children, because we need to be together. You don't have to know everybody in the church, but you need to know some other people in the church. You think God doesn't see you or know you? Maybe He doesn't even know your name, doesn't love you? You're wrong. He knows you. Jesus says the very hairs of your head are numbered. He knows all about you. He's got you covered. He's got you covered with His grace. He's got you covered with a community of love. The question is, will you reach out and take His hand? Will you pray Paul's prayer and learn to worship and dare to obey and connect in community? That's what you have to do if you want more of His love.